Welcome in to the All Things Go podcast, episode 24. I'm your host, Derek Yoder, joined as always by my co-host, Brian Murphy of Stuart House Racing. And Brian, before we look back at everything that took place at Kansas and look ahead to Darlington this week, I want to introduce a very special guest to the program tonight, and it is Matthew Dillner. Dillner, I'm so excited to chat with you. Dillner is the uh, senior racing producer in films for Flow Racing, play-by-play broadcaster for weekly Bowman Gray races uh, at the stadium there, co-host and executive producer of Lost Speedways, the docuseries which dominated the racing space in 2020 and 2021, a historian of all forms of racing. And Dillner, with Darlington coming up this week in NASCAR, there's no better person to talk than you. And so I'm so excited. Thanks for joining us. And how you doing tonight? Thanks, man. I'm doing great, man. I'm just actually working on a... A little documentary coming out uh, about North Wilkesboro and, um, you know, preparing for those races coming up, too. So, you know, got a lot of cool history stuff. You know, it's a, it's like, you know, we got Memorial Day coming up, but it's been like history weeks in racing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. And uh, North Wilkesboro coming up next week, which is uh, so cool to see so much happen there. And I know you guys, uh, when you were at Dirty Mo Media, you guys put a, even a whole production together about the behind the scenes, about when what the track looked like. And it was amazing. Yeah, you know, I watched it so long ago and I watched it again here recently and it was just amazing to see what the track looked like. So I, I, there's so much to get into it with you uh, here tonight. I am very excited that we were talking right before we got going, your background, you, you know, everything that you have on uh, display behind you. I know the listeners uh, that are listening, can't see it, but man, you got checkered flag, you got some helmets. What, what's your favorite piece of memorabilia behind you there? Oh dude, that's a good question. Dang. I've never been asked that. Uh, yes. Coming out I, of the gates. I recently got this trophy from the Hogue family. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I uh, went up there for Dean Hogue's funeral. You know the great racing family. You know Alex mm-hmm. Dean. Uh, you know, of course, the patriarch Dutch Hogue. But I'd have mm-hmm. to say, personal favorites are the uh, the Metrolina trophies back here from yep. Ray Hendrick, uh, sweeping wow. the Metrolina 500. Uh, but the one that means the most to me is the helmet yep. right back here. That's my dad's helmet uh, from huh. when he raced at Islip Speedway. Uh, so I've, I've had that up my whole life and it's, a something that when I was a kid, I used to go around on big wheels or whatever and yep. skip that thing across the basement floor. And now I look at it as like this great piece of, oh. you know, like this artifact, you know, dude, that's so cool that, so let, <laughs> let's get into it. Uh, a little bit about your background. You just talked about your dad, that the helmet yeah. there, uh, how sentimental that is. So, uh, tell the people that are listening that are, uh, you know, they know you, they've heard of you. So what's a little bit of your background? I know you're from the Northeast a little bit yeah. up in uh, New York, correct? Yeah. Long Island, New York, uh, just a typical kid, uh, that grew up in on Long Island, New York, uh, as a short tracker, you know, my dad raced before he was born. He, uh, stopped racing and put food on the table. So he took us to races simply mm-hmm. put. And, uh, we'd go to one to two races a weekend. And then when my brother started riding, he was like 14, I think. Uh, for a regional newspaper up there in racing. Okay. Uh, we, we, we went to three races a weekend. Uh, so basically my life wasn't spent in camp. <laughs> my life wasn't spent mm-hmm. in normal things that normal kids do. Uh, my life was always at the racetrack, but then again, it was always with my family. So I had an incredible childhood uh, in that way uh, because I you know have this closeness with my family that some people mm-hmm. just don't experience. That is so cool. I, I know you're from New York. I didn't bring up the Islanders. Uh, I'm not trying to touch on any. It's all uh, good, man. I'm, I'm all for the Canes now. There you go. Okay. So, yeah, a little, little hockey. Uh, one of the, the best times of the year with hockey, racing, and uh, a little bit, all the sports are coming together. So, so you talked a little bit about your background there. Then how did you get to uh, Carolina? Oh, dude. Uh, my brother and I had a TV show that we, you know, basically worked for free for a few years just trying to get you know our careers started at our local short track riverhead raceway and going to places in the northeast like stafford and thompson and uh that kind of resulted in a relationship with um tnn back in the day okay. uh, oh nice and you like gold all those guys yeah well, yeah, yeah well t- uh this was tnn race day so you had pat patterson you had rick benjamin okay. uh patty wheeler uh was was heavily involved nice. uh, you know, world sports and then Wheeler television. But yeah, that took my brother down there, took me down there. And I've been down here ever since. I'm going to live and, and die in North Carolina. I love the state. Um, 
you know, I never fit in. Uh, you know, I've been telling people this recently. I never fit in where I was born and raised unless I was at a racetrack. Right. You know what I mean, right. like, like Stafford or uh, Islip or Riverhead or wherever mm -hmm. I fit in and I had friends. I never fit in uh, anywhere up there. And now, like living in North Carolina, it's just feels like a comfy pair of slippers, you know? Yeah, no, that's cool. I'm glad that you, you found your home. So how did you yeah. and Brian connect? Brian and I connected. Geez, Brian, uh, probably through Mike Herman Jr. You know, back yeah, then, so I Mike know you used to work on Herm's cars and whatnot. And, you know, basically just being in the same racing spaces, you know, uh, between there and then, of course, you know, working in NASCAR for, I worked in the NASCAR garage for like 19, 20 years. Uh, so got to know Murph. I mean, you know, you always get to, if you're in a space with Murphy, you're going to end up knowing him, you know? Mm -hmm. So <laughs> he's slightly outgoing, uh, slightly opinionated, uh, and he's he's a real racer. So that's those three things right there are uh, like magnets to a guy like me. <laughs> I always tell people those those first couple of years with Herman and, and meeting people like yourself and uh, Chris Lambert and yeah. uh, you know Pop mm. Herman and and all those people that core group really turned me into who I am today, the racer I am, what it means to be a racer, um, and that that comes from people as yourself or people on the media side, or even, even some of the officials nowadays, it's, it's crazy how that group was so uh, well-versed in, in so many different ways in, in the motorsports um, world. So they were influential, yeah, they were influential to yes. a lot of us, even though I was in the industry before, you know, Herm, uh, you know, before connecting with Herm, you know, their entire family influence me still influences me today, you know, just in the way they live their life and go about their business. So you're, you're dead on spot on there. Yeah, for sure. So it's it's crazy. You and your brother both ended up like down this storytelling uh, role kind of in a, in, in a way. What what makes the Dillners such good storytellers? It's a good question, I guess. Um, um, I don't know. It's because we spent our whole life at racetrack. So, you know, when you're sitting in the stands and you see the race, then you talk about it afterwards. I remember being in the back of my dad's pickup truck on long drives, just talking about what we saw you know, and breaking it down, you know, uh, whether we were seven to 10 years old or whether we we're 15, you know, and 11 or whatever, you know, um, or when Bob started writing, I mean, he'd be writing on a pad and listening to interviews on a tape recorder on the way back. So we were constantly, you know, analyzing the races and, and sound and, and interviews and, you know, when it's something you're passionate about, too, it's something you want to talk about and it's natural. It's not forced, um, you know, <laughs> and the enthusiasm isn't forced because you legitimately love it. So, uh, you know, I guess that's where it comes from. But um, all those years driving down in the literally when I say in the back of my dad's pickup truck, I'm talking about not the back seat. This is like pre like laws that didn't let you do this. I'm talking in the back bed, man. It was like we had a rubber mat, then we had a carpet and we had a boom box back there and like loads of pillows and and stuff. And we had a cap over it. You know, the early days, I remember a few races without the cap and that was a little rough. Uh, but, you know, uh, yeah. Nowadays, I wouldn't dare put my kid back there. <laughs> Sounds safe to me. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> but good memories, right? Like those are yeah. things that, you you know, you take in. Um you know, from those conversations with your dad, your brother, and, uh, and, and then apply it to what you're doing in your, your life now of, you know, storytelling, but also trying to help, uh, educate the next generation coming up. And obviously everything you're doing at Bowman gray now, and that's like, a Matt's, kids, like Matt's kids hate to hate to interrupt, but I mean, you see the same thing with, with Dillner and, and his son and, um, they're going to the races, they're mm -hmm. eating the fries and, and really having the same experiences. I feel like I'm watching Dillner, a young Matthew Dillner, when I mm -hmm. see the, the, you know, the things that he does with his, there's his a family. big reason for that. You know, my dad, uh, today is the anniversary of his 10th, uh, uh 10th year anniversary of his passing actually. Hmm. And, um, you know, I, I, my kid doesn't get to experience my dad. So, um, you know, uh, that's how I do it. You know, that's how I'm able to, yeah. you know, um, bring my dad to my kid, you know, mm -hmm. is that love of racing, you know, uh, dad loved racing, loved it. You know, he just couldn't afford to be a, you know, big, big racer or anything. And he gave it up, you know, for us. So, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and, and 
there's nothing wrong with that. Like my kid would wants to race so bad, but you know, we just can't swing it, you know, but there's nothing wrong with that. You can be a racer, you know, you can be yeah. a racer without being a driver. You can, you can, you guys are, you know, racers. I mean, you know, if you work in the sport and you live, eat, sleep, breathe it and, or just enjoy it in the stands, you know, uh, whatever capacity, you know, you can be a racer. Hmm. Well, what a, you know, um, uh, amazing opportunity to talk to you on, like you said, 10 years, uh, after what you talked about your dad and some of the storytelling, what's your favorite memory of your dad, uh, from a racing aspect? Oh, geez. Or a funny, oh. or a funny story or something like that, that catches your, uh, that jogs your memory. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, dad was everything to us. You know, he, when we started racing, he would tow the, a golf, when we got a golf cart, we were fancy, man. We got a golf cart. Uh, he would tow the golf cart to the races with us and make sure we had food and, and, and carry batteries and tripods. And he worked as hard as he did at, at his regular job, working on roofs and, you know, cleaning and repairing gutters and roofs. Um, you know, but I don't know. I mean, my, my dad was a rough racer. Uh, he got suspended once by NASCAR. I actually got the letter from Daytona, uh, from the actual offices suspending him and his brothers, uh, that that's interesting, but, uh, I don't know, to me, it's just warmth, you know, uh, it's, it's yeah. knowing that <clears throat> from when I was, uh, four years old or something, getting him taken off his belt and strapping me into a plastic orange, orange plastic seat, uh, and giving me a steering wheel so I could just watch the races or, you know, when I was older and we went and saw the, we watched, uh, we went to shoot a Bush North series race and we ended up uh, done with our work and we sat and we watched a wildcat division. Um, and I don't think we've ever laughed so hard. You know, these guys were just driving their the piss out of these cars and sideways smoke coming off the right rears and two, three wide. And we were like, just loving it. And it's like, I even, I think I have a picture somewhere. You know, because it's like we were just sitting there laughing so hard out of enjoyment, pure enjoyment of just watching yeah. racing. And uh, yeah, dad was the guy that I uh, would call uh, if I was at Bone Gray, say like the other night, I would call him mm -hmm. on the way home or I'd call him the next day and go over the race with him. What happened last mm -hmm. night? You know, uh, so uh, so I can't even pinpoint one memory. Uh, my dad was everything to me. Well, Dillner, we're headed to Darlington this weekend for Throwback Weekend, which is in a way both like Halloween and Thanksgiving Day wrapped into one for motorsports fans. Um, you know, a weekend for us to honor and celebrate the men and women, the racers, as we talked about, um, and the memories that have made our sport as special as it is. Um, when I say Throwback Weekend at Darlington, what's the first thing that comes to mind? Um, and what does this event mean for you? Uh, personally, the first thing that comes to mind was coming, going to one of the first ones and doing garage cam and, and walking around the excitement of seeing all those schemes. And then personally for me, that one, I think I did the show and then I left and drove home and I ended up, uh, we ended up having my firstborn Hudson and then watching the, uh, Southern 500. I remember holding him and I had a little Winston cup series hat I put on his little head and, and it was great to listen to Ken Squire and Ned Jarrett, uh, in the booth and, and, and have that memory. But, uh, I think that that's kind of encapsulates what that race means to a lot of people, whether you're a pit crew guy or a fan, uh, you go to that race, whether it's the first edition or the sixth edition or whatever, and you see these throwback cars and it just brings back memories and, and it celebrates history and, and you're making new memories in the process um, that are forever connected to them. Um, you know, every time you see a Bondi long car, you might think of the Bondi long car when Clint Boyer drove, drove that paint scheme, mm -hmm. you know, or, you know, uh, it, it, it's just, there's so many things about that event that just scream Americana too. Um, and, and I think it's right to celebrate the history of our sport. We can't just live in the history. That's, mm -hmm. that's foolish, you know, but, um, you know, to, to not recognize it like we did for so many years is foolish. And mm -hmm. uh, that that race finally like cracked the surface of of what us traditionalists and us people that really have a passion for the sport have been clamoring for for years. Mm -hmm. And finally, that kind of like like cracked the surface and, and let people peek in and go, oh, well, this isn't bad or oh, this is cool. Oh, mm -hmm. fans will like this. Uh, whereas everything was, it has to be new, 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 and it has to 
appeal to these audiences. And it's like, no, no, no. You have the coolest sport in the face of the earth. Yep. Celebrate it. So true. Yeah. And, and Darlington with, with so much history, our first super speedway um, or speedway, I guess it's super speedway at one point. Um, but first 500, 500 mile race, so many things have gone on at this racetrack. And, and as soon as you walk in, it's, it really is, you know, I'm going to say something maybe opinionated on my side, but I feel <laughs> like when you go into Darlington, when you go to the Southern 500 throwback weekend, this racetrack, this is the racetrack that, you know, the guys in the garage circle, um, a lot of the media puts a lot of emphasis on the Daytona 500 and a few others. But I think this right here um, showcases our driver's strength, the mentality, how difficult this track is, how good of a car you have to be. You know, I, I really think when you come out of this racetrack and you win, it feels better than almost anywhere else on the circuit. That's a that's a true point, because like I think even this spring version, you get that feel because it's Darlington. You know, I think it was way more special when it was the Southern 500. And I don't mean to get into that opinion mess. I think this race should be Southern 500 weekend, but that's just me. Um, You're not the only one. <laughs> but yeah, to win at Darlington in general is just, I mean, when you think about it, you think about the, I hate throwing out the term triple crown or anything like that. But if you think of the marquee events in the history of our sport, uh, you think of Darlington because you think of the Southern 500 and, you know, this place is our roots. Um, you know, it's not my roots and necessarily because my roots maybe are in modified racing up in the Northeast, but the roots of our sport are my roots, you know, in general. And um, Darlington de facto because of that is, you know, I made, I'm not from Indianapolis, right. But, and we're not, none of us, you know, but Indianapolis is our roots, you know, uh, 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 Chicago in a way. <laughs> Uh, the first ever race uh, in America is part of our roots. I mean, but but Darlington is special, man. You know, uh, I I kind of miss going there. I haven't gone in a few years now, and uh, you know, I, I'd like to make it back this year for the Southern Five Hundred. Do you have a particular scheme that that catches your eye this year? No, I am going to admit <laughs> that I have been so far buried in work at Flow right now the last few weeks that I have not paid any attention to the schemes and I feel terrible for it, especially since you just asked me for it, but I can't lie. Um, I don't like lying. Um, I will say there's one that I don't like and whatever. I'm just yeah. going to say it. Um, Love it. I'm sorry that the, the Christopher Bell Kenza throwback, like oh, yeah. I don't like the numbers like the way they are anyway. Let's not get into that. But then we put it up towards the front. We made it even smaller and then the DeWalt is like, oh, like the, the part that's supposed to say DeWalt water is above the thing. And that's not even bigger. So then you have this big old negative space. And I'm like, what are we even doing this for? Like, like I get, get it. You know, sorry, RTA. I'm, I'm not like against you, but like, like, I don't care if it's RTA, NASCAR or whatever. It doesn't matter. It, the sport matters. And mm -hmm. like, I, I understand uh, the value of placement but why not just let them put it anywhere between the door? And if they have a sponsor that really would make it look better if it's towards the front or if they want to run a throwback that's very authentic, you can let them. Um, let's get back to having a little more freedom. So you just uh, – you just kind of worm, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, it's good. It's good. I, I agree. Um, you just brought up Chicago, which, as you said, the first race um, ever, really. Uh, yeah. But hey, a couple of weeks ago, Bowman Gray opened up their 74th season. That's it, that's incredible. Yeah, um, the longest running, that's the longest running, correct? Uh, short track in the country. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, it, it was cool. We just put out like a little documentary about it called Madhouse. Uh, um, and I was able to touch on the history, which was fun for me. Uh, mm -hmm. But yeah, I mean, uh, Bill France and Alvin Hawkins, two great friends, came to the city of Winston-Salem, who had been kind of left with the bill of the paving job by the last promoter that was trying to put on some midget races. And he was like, Hey man, uh, I'm sure he didn't say, Hey man, but uh, he said, Hey, uh, let us pay the rest of the bill. If you let us hold NASCAR races there, NASCAR was nothing at that point. NASCAR was brand new. You know, uh, this was 1949. So in 48, they asked the city uh, if they could do this and they ran races there in 1949, you know, Tim flock, you know, Fonty flock, uh, the woods, it was a, it was a hotbed 
You know, at that time they didn't have the grandstands all the way around. It was just only on the, the front stretch and back stretch side. Um, they didn't have the full bowl. Uh, but even at that, it was a, it was a show place. And um, it's the longest running weekly series track. You know, uh, it's, it's a, we talk about places that are special in our, the history of our sport. And you could talk about Winchester or Indianapolis, um, you know, in NASCAR, you talk about Darlington or Daytona uh, in NASCAR grassroots racing. The top of that list needs to be Bowman gray, you know, cause it was the first, you know, France at that point was promoting races like one or two races at this fairgrounds track, a race here, a race there, um, 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 you know, his races in Daytona and then form NASCAR. This was the genesis of the NASCAR weekly racing track, you know, where we grew up, uh, whether you're Riverside Park or you're, you're uh, Grandview. I don't care where you are in the United States. If you have a NASCAR weekly track, that's the genesis of it. Wow. I mean, that, that gives a really good history, too, of Bowman Gray. So then what's it like for you? Because I know you go uh, virtually every weekend. You've been calling races. So what's that like for you when you're atop the tower and you're calling the races and and just look around and you're like, this is where NASCAR, really, the grassroots is what we talk about so much, kind of got its start. So what's that like for you? Um, it's awe-inspiring, and I hope that doesn't yeah. sound pc um, because I, that's, it's, it's hard to put into words. Uh, mm-hmm. you know, I'm a very emotional person. Uh, I, I'm very passionate. Um, a lot of people will pick on me for that. Uh, but it's, I, I'm not going to change it cause it's just me. Um, and Bowman Gray stadium means a lot to me. Uh, I didn't start going there in the seventies or eighties. I, I have more history with other tracks, but I started going there in the, uh, early 2000s and um, it's just special. And to be able to actually have the privilege to sit up there and call a race at that place is absurd. I, I If I had the chance to do it once, I would have been happy. Uh, but once I started doing it more, I wanted to do it more. Also selfishly, mm-hmm. um, I wish in my 20s, I realized how much I enjoy actually doing that like sitting there and Mm. talking about racing is something that I enjoy, but to sit there and call a race, I never thought I'd enjoy that. And I am having like stupid amounts of fun uh, doing it. (laughs) I I may not be, I'm no Mike joy. (laughs) Um, You know, I'm no, you know, Rick Allen. I'm, I'm not that, you know, but like I'm me and I cannot express how much I enjoy doing it. That's really cool, too, because, you know, in this day and age where you're doing flow racing, your son is able to hear what you're saying, right? To hear that you're calling the race or what that sounds like. So it's almost oh, like you're, me, I've had to call his matchbox races now ever since I started. Oh, dude, I'm calling those, too. So I'm working two jobs in terms of announcing. Now. Which which job do you get paid better? <laughs> definitely not the one at home <laughs> <laughs> the matchbox cars go my, my daughters so i have two daughters brooklyn and bristol and bristol Ooh, is nice. she yeah she just loves racing she loves yeah. the cars and so she has her little um you know die cast that i, I like at kevin harvick jimmy johnson couple Dale Earnhardt's where she'll just kind of uh, race them around. So I, I get what you're saying there about, you know, uh, I haven't done any commentary work yet. She hasn't asked me to do that. Maybe there's a reason why, but uh, with everything then you got going on this year uh, at the track, you know, what are some storylines, you know, what's some, you know, what's some things that you can kind of spell or spill for everybody. Cause I know a lot of people that we talk to, you know, they're either looking to get their flow uh, racing subscriptions or, uh, kind of get into it. So what's some of the storylines that you have going on this year? Well, uh, in Bowman Gray, it's just been action, new pavement, uh, mm-hmm. you know, better racing right off the bat, even with new pavement, it's better than it was last year because last year it just plumps hmm. up uh, right. with the, the bounces and stuff getting into the turn. It just didn't create good racing and, and management did the right thing by actually getting that track repaved. Um, so, first, you know, first yeah, time repaved from, since when? Uh, two years ago, they repaved it two years ago and it was it was was awful and uh they had to suck it up for a season and uh, now they're back to a really good pavement job and it's already taking Mm. rubber and the racing's already getting better um but anyway uh from flow from a you know thirty thousand foot view you know you look Mm -hmm. at our involvement nascar roots you know with all the different tracks that uh, that we have under nascar's umbrella 
Uh, then you look at some of our regional stuff and having Thunder Road or having a Stafford Motor Speedway, which is a giant. Let's just put it that mm -hmm. way. It's not NASCAR, but it's a giant within the uh, uh, Northeast motorsports community. And then uh, the big thing, I'm, I love USAC. So I'm a USAC junkie and because uh, I love anything non-wing. But I got to admit, this whole, um, like we have the High Limit series, uh, you know, and Kyle Larson's tour. And uh, that's been pretty interesting to watch for me. You know, and I think that's a, that's a big uh, question mark within motorsports right now. Where's wing sprint car racing going? You know, now mm -hmm. we see, you know, with that series, um, then we also see with the, the Sprint Million at Eldora, mm -hmm. um, this sudden like injection of life and, and money into the most, mm -hmm. let's just put it this way, the most dangerous form of motorsports, open wheel sprint car racing, daring, dangerous, like all inspiring racing. We mm -hmm. haven't had enough money into it. You look at like dirt late models who, which to me are a lot safer race car and they're running for 30 grand this night, 75 grand that night, 50 grand this night. And it's like, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, you know, and now sprint car racing because of people like Kyle and Brad uh, Sweet and, you know, others, you know, World of Outlaws is doing a great job, too, with theirs. But, but you know, you look at some of the big shows like we were just talking on the phone about the, uh, the, it's a big show coming up at Houston's uh, Speedway, like later in the year. That's, I think, like some big giant purse. I don't know about it. I'm not going to pretend. Uh, but, you know, you look at sprint car racing right now and I'm like so intrigued by it, even though I'm not a big like sprint car nerd for my whole life i just think it's a uh, wild racing and uh the injection of money it's kind of you know i started really getting into late models because of that you know as far as my dirt side and it was kind of competing with my non-wing usac side as far as my attention now the wing cars are starting to get my attention even more so it's just an interesting world that we live in just think about it uh, derek and brian i know you've probably had this conversation isn't it a great time to be alive that we can go to all these races, whether it be for work or like choose to go to a race and sit in the stands. But then on the nights that we don't, we could turn on a TV or get home from mm -hmm. the race, and watch highlights from races, short track races across America. It's, it's, I don't care what platform you associate with, you know, dirt vision, you know, racing America, flow racing, any of them. Let's just mm -hmm. be real, you know, it is so awesome to be alive right now, you know? Yeah, you're, and you're, you asked me, you, you, you took my next question right out of my mouth and, and answered okay. it. But yeah, <laughs> to, uh, to your point, I mean, it's, it really is amazing for the cost um, for a subscriber, um, the quality of broadcast, the amount of broadcast from all over. There really is unlimited content. Um, and, and, you know, not only in just short tracks, but, it's crazy oh, yeah. nowadays. If I want to watch a MotoGP race, I can see that. I mean, racing around the world, and then you then you encompass everything in the United States. How much short track racing is going on? How much? How hard it is to put on all these broadcasts? It is just unbelievable of a you know of a time period we're in. Yeah, I mean, there's no. I I always say like, okay, I'm a history guy. Y'all know that. So. The good old days. We always talk about the good old days. You know, right back there, Ray Hendricks. Yep. You no, know, yep. That's the good old days, right? Oh, there was never modified drivers better than them or Richie Evans. You know, nobody better. You know, or oh, oh, oh when Earnhardt was alive and and then Richard Petty was winning all this. Nothing better, right? Nothing better. Ah, to a degree, you're right. But because the sports changed and there was pure. It was mm -hmm. pure back then, more pure. But there's aspects of today's racing and aspects of today's racing life, like what we were talking about, that today is the good old days. Yeah. Yeah. Period. And and to you know to segue into some more of the good things ahead, Wilkesboro next week. What a <sighs> massive comeback as we talked about. Um, you know, I'm gonna jump right into the cars tour. Mm -hmm. Had you know a speedway this past weekend, one of my favorite short tracks in the house in the southeast, kind of in a way a mini Martinsville for me. Short, tight corners, decently long straightaways for how big the track is. A lot of action this past weekend. Um, and 
And, you know, to, to look at the future, Wilkesboro next Wednesday, massive event with a bunch of cup drivers. The regulars are going to come battle against those stars, followed by a 30,000 to win race only a week and a half later. Yeah. These past three weeks have been just absolutely incredible for the late mile stock scene. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on what we're seeing in, in this type of motorsport? I think it's a renaissance. Period. I mean, I think I think we are in a short track renaissance. I think the genesis of it was COVID, uh, Kyle Larson's uh, barnstorming tour across America, um, you know, you know, garnering interest. Um, now you fast forward to, you know, what everybody's doing, you know, investing into the cars tour, you know, Dale and Kevin and, and Jeff Burton and just a whole group, you know, what they have done to inject, you know, attention into that and new life into that, a series that was already, let's just face it, pretty badass. Um, that tour has been on fire for a few years. This isn't because of them. But I'll tell you this, the revolution, the short track renaissance and revolution will be in part because of them, because they are going to take this tour to different heights. They have the competition, they have the cars, they have the drivers, they have personalities, they have the racetracks. What else do you need? You know, you need, right. you know, the, what, what do you need? I mean, it's there, you know, as a fan or, or, you know, if you can't travel to the races, you can watch it. If you can travel to the races, holy crap, they're amazing. Uh, Ace was great. Um, North Wilkesboro will just be North Wilkesboro. It's going to be awe-inspiring. But Tri-County, I mean, Tri-County used to be a dump. Uh, let's just be honest. And what Shad and that group has done at Tri-County has been miraculous to clean that place up and put elbow grease into it and clean it up and paint it and grow the grass nice and make it family-friendly. And now they're going to have a $30,000 to win late model race there. Like, hallelujah. Good for them. Mm -hmm. You know, good for them. You know, good for the sport. Great for cars. It's just up in the game, man. And, and here's the thing. Rising tides raise all ships. It's a cheesy bonehead whatever saying. And I say it all the time, so my friends are going to giggle when they hear this. <laughs> but, like, I'm sorry. It's true. Rising tides raise all ships. So, so this deal with the Cars Tour is going to help other aspects of short track racing, you know, and just like the, the rise of dirt late model racing with, with uh, payouts and Kyle Larson's barnstorming tour, everything's going up and we got to just keep the momentum and keep it going. Yeah. To, to echo what you said about Tri-County, that place, um, I went back last year about midsummer for the first time in probably 10 years. I mean, it'd been long enough where I forgot it even had a tunnel and yeah. <laughs> Man, to your point, that place looks just absolutely gorgeous. Wow. Um, really like what they've done with paving it. I, th I think they're taking it step by step, which is great. Um, but yeah, 30,000 to win. Great short track, multiple grooves. I mean, the place just puts on fantastic racing. Saturday hey, Murph, night Murph, before Murph, the real quick. Yep. You, you let me ask you something. How many have you been watching some of these cars tour races more than this year? Uh, we're paying attention this year. Last year is kind of where yeah. I picked it up. So I what series do you know right now? I, and I'm not dogging on other series that I love, like Wheel and Modified Tour, Smart, or or Super Late Model Tours. What series do you know that has about 20-something cars every week that can win? It's like the old Bush uh, series, and it's crazy. Yeah. No, it is, I think, pound for pound, the most competitive short track series in the country. And I'm not so sure if there's anything close. Not only in competition, but uh, the product you get, the – you know, like as all the points that you put out about, you know, what the good things the series is doing competition wise, car counts, short tracks. I had the list of the tracks that this that this series goes to um, just an all star lineup of short tracks in the southeast. So, uh, you know, it's I think it's tough that all of the races are in the southeast. I think they have to be in the southeast. Uh, mm -hmm. I wish there was, you know, more people were able to show up to these. If you are coming to the race again, Coke 600 weekend, go to Tri-County. Go to the mm -hmm. North Wilkesboro race. If you're in the area, look up the schedule because, as you said, this is easily some of the best, if not the best, most competitive short track motorsports, um, you know, series in in the country. As you said, yeah, to me, it's the top asphalt series in America right now, and I and I have a lot of series that I really love, and they're doing great things. But every, you know, there's aspects of cars tour that I think they can improve on. 
Don't get me wrong. It's not perfect. But as far as the competition and the car, amount of quality cars at these events, it's unbelievable. And for about 10 years ago, you know, I, we talked to uh, Weaver about this a little bit too. Like, late mile stocks were in a bad, bad place about 10 years ago. I was truly worried that this um, platform, you know, was, was really about to disappear with, you know, the supers kind of igniting their popularity in the South and, and all across, you know, the United States in general. Um, but to see these late mile stocks come back, I, this is where I started my, you know, my roots are, are in late mile stock racing. Um, and I remember always getting into arguments, not arguments, uh, little, um, you know, battles with Herman about the late mile stock era, even though, you know, he was, you know, obviously part of late mile stock racing himself uh, talking about the difference between supers and late mile stocks. And, you know, it's just great to see this platform reignite in a huge way. Um, Late mile stocks aren't going anywhere. Nope. No, they are not. And uh, I think uh, what ASA is doing, hopefully that gains traction uh, because that's great on the super late model side. So I just want asphalt racing to, to start thriving again. And I think we're, we're at the, the bottom of it happening, you know, uh, right at the, I don't want to say the word Genesis again. I was trying to think of another word, but, uh, but if you think about it, you know, look at modified racing in the South. Mm -hmm. I'm a modified guy. (laughs) There's no secret there. So I freaking love those cars. Uh, And if you look, I'm, yeah, I mean, I pay attention to whether it's Stafford with the SKs or the NASCAR wheel and modified tour. uh, And they've been healthy for a long time. And uh, they're getting healthier now again, which is really cool. Embrace at Manadnack was awesome. But, you know, I thought Southern Modifieds were pretty much dead down here. You know, hmm. uh, in the South, uh, we had Bowman Gray. And then we had a few kind of tours that just weren't cutting it. You know, uh, no offense to the people involved because they were trying. But uh, what that, uh, you know, uh, we have them on our platform, Smart Modified Tour, at flow uh but what what chris williams and that group has done you know i'm close to those guys because i'm a modified guy so i mm-hmm. see what they're doing i see it really close and uh what they're doing is pretty darn special over there too they may not have the horsepower like cars does as far as the attention uh mm-hmm. with um you know the people involved uh but they're doing a lot of cool things in the space too you know uh with their video department and and some of the promos they do uh but the car counts of Gone from, you know, having a little touring modified race maybe a few years ago, you'd be like, oh, if we could get 15 cars. Now Hmm. they're like 25, 30 cars. When did that happen? You know, it's pretty, pretty righteous, man. I love it. I would say that it's arguably the best uh, time in our, you know, in in a while where racing uh, is at its peak and the grassroots element is really coming up. You mentioned about Kyle Larson's series. So it just seems like across the board, racing is in a healthy, we're getting to a healthier state. Uh, before I talk about the uh, the lost speedways, I want to a- ask you about, you know, we were just talking about North Wilkesboro. Is there a driver or two uh, for anybody listening that maybe keep an eye on and doesn't matter what they're racing in this week? I know there's a lot of different series. You're going to probably be at, are you going to be at uh, every day? You're going to be camping, tailgating, doing all that? Uh-huh. No, unfortunately, I'm going to be driving back and forth every day unless somebody wants to just like put me up in their uh, hotel or campsite. That's fine. Uh, but but uh, uh, no, I'm going to be driving back and forth every day. It's going to be a little tiring, okay. but uh, I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very interesting to see, interested to see what Landon Huffman does in that auto, Autos mm. by Nelson car uh, yeah. because it's a good car. Their stuff hasn't – they haven't hit on it this year. With Kale on the car, they haven't. With Lannon in the car last week at Ace, they haven't. And they're mm-hmm. going to go testing this week, uh, too, at some tracks. And and um, I think Lannon's um, like one of those guys I could see. It would be cool to see a guy like that, another guy like that, come from the local level up to a touring series yeah. and have success, especially the fact that he really knows how to put himself out there uh, with his vlogs and whatnot. Uh, you know, uh, one of his good friends, Dylan Wilson, um, is is – He's he's a rookie. He's barely run late model races. You know, if you really look at the scope of it, um, I'm I'm uh, very, very proud to say you guys are the first to hear this, actually, that we're doing a uh, documentary, a small film on him on flow racing that will come out. This nice. Week. Um, nice. But, but um, awesome. it was unplanned. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd look at him. I'd look at um, 
you know, there's so many people, you know, you got to look at a veteran, like a Chad McCombie. Um, Mm -hmm. You might look at, uh, you know, you might look at, uh, you know, actually, to be honest with you, at a tire saving place like Wilkesboro, I would put my money on Brendan Butterbean Queen. Uh, okay. You saw what he did what in a name. South Carolina 400 uh, weekend at, at Florence, a, a very tire saving type track. Um, but uh, he's one that I've had my eye on now for a while. Um, huh. for, for various reasons, because I think he's content gold, but I, uh, and his personality, I always love the guys with the good personalities, uh, but he's one to look out for. And I think McCarty's actually going to be good. Uh, I think McCarty's one to look out for, uh, for at, at uh, mm-hmm. Tri-County also. I think he's going to, you're going to start to see Bobby McCarty coming out a lot more here the next few weeks. I think those are great names. And for anybody that's listening, when you're traveling to North Wilkesboro or uh, just kind of listening throughout the week, you know, Dillner, you gave out some really cool names there to really kind of keep an eye on. It is a high tire wear track, so uh, saving those tires is going to be uh, crazy to watch from uh, early in the week to the when the Cup Series is there on Sunday. I want to talk about Lost Speedways, and I appreciate your time yeah. uh, with what you're giving us here tonight. But Lost Speedways was something that was so cool as uh, a fan of racing um, – and just to understand some of the tracks that went away and the stories that you and Dale were able to talk about. So how did the conversation of you and Dale getting to let's produce this, let's go to some of these tracks and shoot that. How did that conversation start? Awkward. Awkward. <laughs> okay. No, no. I mean, honestly, it's so funny. Cause it's like, no, no knew the guy for so long, but you're not really tight friends or anything. And, and, you know, I don't know, a few years back, you know, we were at the, in the media center or something. He saw something I posted and he was like, Oh man, that's really cool. I got to show you this. And he was like, exchange numbers with me in the, in the uh, uh, media center at Daytona, I think it was actually. And I'm like, Oh, okay. And then I went back and I had a camper that I rented for that week. And that night the dude's like, add me onto <laughs> photo groups and sending me all this cool history stuff. And I'm like dorking out, not because it's, you know, sorry, Dale, not because it's you. But because right. it's like, I love all that stuff. I'm like a total dork with all that stuff, right? And um, so we just hit it off, like, you know, organically, because mm-hmm. both are very different people. Um, <laughs> you know, he's shy and kind of introverted, and I'm an extrovert and kind of a dork. Mm-hmm. Um, but <laughs> we both have, like, real, real respect for our sport, uh, mm-hmm. where we came from, both of us. And uh and uh, we just hit it off there. And it was like funny because like when when I lost my job at NASCAR, he was the him. Mike Davis was the first person to call. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I always go out of my way to tell people that because I'm it's something that I'm proud of. Uh, Mike and Dale called me and gave me the opportunity to basically resurrect my career. And wow. without that, um, that juice and that opportunity, we're, we're nothing without opportunity in this world. We could be mm-hmm. the most talented people on earth. Uh, if somebody doesn't give you a chance uh, to show your stuff and you don't meet that chance with hard work and, and honesty, you're, you're, you're not going to go anywhere. Uh, but yeah, that, that he hired me. And then it was even awkward from there. Like I remember one time he came in and like, I hadn't shared our map with him yet. You mm-hmm. know, I have a map, you know, with my buddy, Bobby Marcos and my buddy Kyle Rizak from Canada. And it's like, Dale has this map. And finally it was like, I didn't want to show him the map, like send it to him. I want to show him in person's, so the one day he like, this is so Dale. One day I'm sitting there, like I'm in at like six in the morning and I'm like working on the download. We're going to be taping at like nine 30. And I don't know, it was right when Isla, I think was pretty little. And, and he just like shows up, scares the crap out of me. He's like standing back here. Hey. And I'm like, ah! <laughs> like this. and it's like, he's like, Oh man, I was just, you know, awake and came by. I wanted to give you something. He gave me something. And, and we started chatting and we started talking about our maps. And, and then it was like a few weeks later, we're in some meeting and he like loosely mentions like lost speedways. Like, oh, yeah, I'd like to do something with that or that show. And I'm kind of like really protective at that point. Cause it's like something that I really truly have a passion for is that. So I'm like, I don't like to, you know, I, I worry about it, you know, because mm-hmm. I'm full of anxiety and uh, yeah. And he's the one that really made it happen. You know, he's the one that, you know, the idea isn't mine even. It's 
so many people have had the idea of exploring abandoned speedways and, and documenting them, but it was something that I'm really, really passionate about. And um, he saw that and he was super passionate about it too. And he, he kind of pressed for it. And then he also advocated for me uh, because, mm-hmm. you know, no network wants to put a big old dude like myself on, <laughs> you know, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, a common guy, right. They want some, probably some good looking debonair kind of smooth talking guy. But, um, but he, he and Mike both advocated for me, you know, and uh, we did the show two years of magic, man. I wish we had a third season, but like we mm-hmm. weren't even, we weren't even expecting one season. Let's be honest. And, and having two seasons of that show is like, like probably the most magical time of my life. Uh, it was hard uh, producing a show during a pandemic and lots of challenges. And, uh, but I got to say, um, I, can, I, I live my dream doing that show and I'll always be forever thankful to Dale and Mike because they are the people even more, not, not talking on Peacock because they thank you to them, but like Dale and Mike are the ones that really made that happen. You know, for guys like me, for guys like my friend, Bobby Marcos, who worked on the show with me and, and then our whole team, but it's, it's the greatest thing I'll probably ever do in my career. <laughs> Well, it's an amazing thing to see it. I know as you as a producer and all the work and time communication, uh, obviously connecting with individuals to talk about the the track and talk about their experience at those venues. I mean, we talked about it earlier. You said, what's that behind you? And it's Augusta National number 13 hole. But you guys were wasn't there a racetrack at Augusta, uh, Georgia yeah. or somewhere yeah. around there? I, I think mm-hmm. I remember you going through some of the woods and pulling out pieces and just talking about uh was giant like, letters uh, yes that's right yes i remember these things, that now dude, and, these, things were, these things were like this tall yes huge. i'm thinking i can and move you, this sucker when i first saw it and yeah. i'm like eh. and i'm like no <laughs> that's I, i'm happen. so glad i'm so glad i remembered that because it just hit me as you were talking <laughs> and we talked about augusta didn't you get stuck on a golf cart or somebody got stuck or yeah maybe yeah, I'm, we, okay. yeah and it was uh we literally got a golf cart stuck so uh and then we were like well i guess we should shoot this (laughs) you know um that that was an amazing episode because the the danger of that course you couldn't walk that place i mean maybe i could but like you know yeah it was the whole crew getting it i mean it's that place was a giant you know that place was huge and um yeah that it was it was magical because that was one of those ones where we're looking on the map and i've always known the half mile over and the drag Mm -hmm. strip Never knew there was a giant road course around it. Literally until we're about to go into this whole process of doing these shows. And mm-hmm. somebody said something about the road course. And I'm like, what road course? And I look <laughs> at the map and I'm like, I'm literally looking at the map and going like, holy S. Like there's literally a giant road course around this place. And it's still there except for one little part. I'm like, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm going to rewatch that episode because after talking about it again, I remember just... <laughs> And and like you said, doing a show like that, a docu-series through the pandemic, I mean, it, it allowed me to, when racing wasn't on or it was sporadic, right, because NASCAR was doing some Tuesday, Wednesday stuff, for me, it was like, I, I just love to binge this. I, I'm up for MPA, so Nazareth Speedway is, you know, abandoned, and, and it's always a... When we had Barry Braun on, I mentioned it a few times, that go, go uh, revive that place, right, because the history of it and, and what that place is, but to see some of the tracks and some of the places that you guys were, and then see some of those beginning images and then see what it currently is. And it was just like, my goodness to put everything together. And uh, I always like when you collected the dirt or collected a little piece of it and uh, had that because of the history there, but what were, what was a thing or two that maybe didn't make the cut uh, that maybe nobody really knows about? Well, there's one. Anytime I've been asked that question about three, four times, I wish I had an answer that I should say, uh, but I just go back to an answer that I probably shouldn't. But whatever. (laughs) I like that one. Um, Yeah, there was there was a um, Jungle Park uh, in Indiana, a very dangerous, deadly racetrack with a very dark history. Um, And that show is one of my favorites, you know, partly Mm -hmm. because of the the place that you when you walk in there, you feel heaviness. I'm not saying ghosts. Just telling you, if you ever walked that place, you would feel something. Right. Um, in our research, uh, you know, uh, my friend Tom that wrote the book about Jungle Park and 
kind of learned about this through him and, you know, learned some more about it. But there was a, in 1932, there was a driver in picture 1932, you're talking about big cars, you know, mm-hmm. primitive indie cars, you know, like, like open wheel, yep. open cockpit, no bar yet. Um, um, no seatbelt uh, at this point. So, you know, on a very dangerous fast track. So there's this guy, Edward Leeper, and he went out there and on hot laps, he ran down the hill past the front straightaway and launched up off the banking and into the trees and, uh, and unfortunately passed uh, from the uh, impact uh, with the trees. So story doesn't end there. Uh, mm-hmm. A local newspaper spoke with his cousin weeks after, weeks after the, it was like a week or two after the newspaper article, the funeral. And his cousin said that Edward Leeper had told him uh, that he was going to go to Jungle Park and end it all tonight. Mm. And, uh, you know, uh, you you read that and you think about that uh, when you're Mm -hmm. walking around a place like that. Um, You know, if you've known anybody that has had, um, you know, those thoughts, Mm -hmm. uh, it hits deeper. Uh, So. It's a. It's probably one of the darkest stories I've ever known in motorsports, and one of the most unique. Uh, definitely the most chilling. Probably not the one that should come to the top of my mind, but um, it's. It didn't make the cut. Obviously, it was a little too yeah. dark. But um, motorsports history is, you know, most ninety nine percent of the time we showed motorsports during Lost Speedways. It's it's glory, and it's scars. You know that was mm-hmm. probably scar we really didn't show uh but we can learn a lot from our scars yeah i think that's uh you know the story just there because you know we we see some of the uh you guys highlighted a lot of different elements and there was a lot of danger back in those days so when those tracks were uh, up and running they they didn't have the safety measures of the cars or the tracks that we do today so being able to hear those and understand what that was like there are those elements that you do kind of forget um but jungle park like you said so I mean, two seasons, phenomenal. Uh, I'm a huge advocate. I don't know where I need to sign or where Brian needs to sign uh, <laughs> as a petition to be like, let's get let's get season three or you know something of that magnitude back. Uh, I know you're you have a creative mind uh, and you're a historian, so something like that, especially in today's age, right, where uh, you see what Formula One's doing on Netflix and and their pa- the power of that episode. And last year we saw uh, the championship you know, docu-series uh, on USA, which was phenomenal for the NASCAR side because it went back to what it was like in 2003, 2004, when it was that driver's show where Kevin Harvick and some Kurt Busch and all those names. So um, I, where do I need the sign to have season three come back? I, I know you have a lot on your plate, but when you're not calling uh, <laughs> your son's, uh, you know, Matchbox series, maybe maybe no, uh, well, get series, I mean, season three going. Season three would be incredible. And yeah. I... I would probably jump at any opportunity to do, to do that, especially with Dale and that group. Mm-hmm. I don't think I yeah. could ever do it without that group. Somebody came up to me tomorrow and said, let's right. make a lost speedway show. I don't care what it was. I wouldn't do that without that yeah. group uh, because that group is the group that advocated for it, you know um, you know, but uh, yeah, that's, I mean, maybe not lost speedways, but the job I'm doing right now currently with flow um, that's part of that job. You know, we're producing, trying to produce a short track film, uh, a racing film a month. So, like you know, that. we started with the Bettenhausen's legends of racing, the Bettenhausen's, which is a, was a wildly popular hit. Um, uh, especially once more people started to the hearsay started to go mm-hmm. on like, holy, cause mm-hmm. there's a lot of people that don't know about the Bettenhausen's. Uh, but once, you know, if, if you make yourself watch that film, you're just stunned with the story, Mm -hmm. you know, like absolutely floored with it. You know, it's, uh, it's like, if you're a formula one, if you didn't know anything about formula one and somebody said, go watch Senna, Mm. that person would Mm -hmm. come back with a deep understanding of some things. Mm -hmm. And it would, it's a very powerful and moving film. Um, and to me that, that, you know, Senna's my favorite, so I don't like comparing it to Senna, but like it had that effect you know, on some people right. that I didn't know the Benthausen story and how incredible it is. But, you know, we did that. We did the, the film Madhouse. Uh, we did a film on Jonathan Davenport called Dirty Dollars. 
uh, down on his ranch, which was uh, did really well. Uh, we're working on some other ones right now. Can't say which one, but we've got mm-hmm. we've actually got uh, that Dylan Wilson one coming out. But then we also have yeah. another film coming out towards the end of the May that I can't say yet, uh, but it's going to be pretty incredible. Uh, and then, like uh, of course, Dirt season one uh, finally comes out. You know, mm-hmm. I joined Flow after that series was shot. Okay, and Paul Gandersman, he's my teammate, my colleague at Flow. I mean, he's still working on it, like probably right now. Like they've wow. been putting so much time, so much effort into this show. And now it's been bought by Fox and uh, hmm. it's a, like a co-production with Fox. So it's going to air, I think it's the 16th of this month on FS1. And then uh, of course it'll be available on flow as well. So um, I, I'm, I'm proud. I'm proud to be part of the films department and, you know, not just doing the content stuff that we get mm-hmm. to do at flow, which is awesome. And the live broadcast. So you got that and you got that. You also have this, films department which it's kind of like netflix man you know uh you know we you go on flow right and you got your tiles with your live events and then you've got your features right and your content your interviews with drivers and all that cool stuff right and now if you scroll down there's films so during the day i used to sit there and watch like 24 7 that's all you had Mm -hmm. to watch during the day Mm -hmm. now you have all this content now you have long form stuff that we can you can watch uh, you know, that scratches the racer itch in me, not just from yeah. producing stuff, but just even as a consumer. So, well, that, that's great. And I, I was going to ask you, you know, just to kind of plug some of your stuff. You nailed everything there. Uh, how, <laughs> how can uh, how can everybody that's listening to the show uh, best support you and what you're doing? I uh, just go subscribe to Flow Racing. Uh, but yeah. honestly, the best thing you could do is this isn't a PR BS line. You know, we say it all the time with our broadcast. Say if we, okay, Bowman Gray, right? Mm-hmm. I do the play by play at Bowman Gray. You would think I lead with watch Bowman Gray on flow. No, I tell people all the time, no, go to Bowman yep. Gray. Yeah. Because streaming partners have a responsibility to promote the races and get people to the racetrack. Yeah. If you can't, then you watch with us. And that's the healthiest approach. And, you know, when I came on there at Flow, they had the B there, you know, and I'm like, okay, is this some cheesy, <laughs> uh, cheesy line type thing? And it's like, no, there's a directive, you know, from people like Michael mm-hmm. Rigsby, Rigsby that, you know, or Tim Truex, some of the, the people within our motorsports uh, deal at Flow, you know, we we promote people to go to the racetrack. And yeah. if you can't, then you go watch it. Well, it's definitely, like you said, go to the track, uh, get that experience, understand who the drivers are, especially in that grassroots level. But Bowman Gray, you uh, will never be disappointed by going to a race there any time throughout the week. I can't wait to go uh, for my first time, but just knowing so much about the history and and what happens there. So text me. I will will buy your ticket. Oh, I like that. I like that. All right. Yeah, I'll definitely I'll definitely take you up on that. But hope you have a, a good time next week at North Wilkesboro and, and a great rest of your week. I can't thank you enough for coming on, joining Brian and I on the All Things Go podcast and uh, all the information you shared. So just thank you so much. Dinner. Uh Dinner, um you know, you'll see when you get when you look at your phone, uh we have like a text message behind the scenes that me and Derek have to kind of um you know talk about what to talk about next and and you know just be a little bit more organized i actually was texting you the first five minutes accidentally but oh really you know, <laughs> yeah but so, That's uh, so but great. I, on another note like me and him throughout this this episode had so many ideas on what to talk about next and you know just so this true. was such a fun 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 conversation because even before we could ask you you were already talking about the very next thing that we were talking about so, oh i'm sorry um, no no you're good you're good it's that's just again that just shows uh man it was such a good conversation thank yeah. you again last second um you know when, when i thought of you know the best person to have on this week to showcase this week's events next week's events you. um mm-hmm. you were my first thought so thank you for all you do for short track racing motorsports um appreciate everything you've done over the years so um but yeah go we'll let you go and you can uh, tuck your kids into bed thanks man i hope to uh, get to see you soon and uh, uh it's been a little bit of it's been too long uh, murph maybe we should go grab a, a barley pop somewhere and yoder oh. um you know I, I literally get my number from him you text me i will 
then you're coming to Bowman Gray. I, I will buy your ticket. I love taking people there for the first time. It's kind of a thing that I do every year. And I just got awesome. to do it with somebody last week. Uh, but I'd love to, I'd love to have you. I will take, I appreciate that so much. I'll definitely take you up on that for sure. So, and we'll have you on again uh, in the near future. Uh, there's so much more that we didn't even get to and, and just really enjoy the conversation. I know everybody listening will as well. So thanks again, uh, Dylan, I appreciate your time and we'll, uh, we'll catch you here in the near future. Thank you guys. Appreciate it very much. And that will conclude this episode of All Things Go. Make sure you like and subscribe so you don't miss an episode. And be sure to follow Matthew Dillner on all his available social media accounts as well. For Brian Murphy, I'm Derek Yoder, and we'll catch you next time for episode 25.